This show is supported by you. Stick around for the Edberg to hear more. This is Kappa Go for January 26, 2024. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in some natural number of minutes that we are not guaranteeing on, but we'll try to keep it close to 15 minutes per week. I'm Shai Nechmat. And I'm Jonathan Hall. <laughs> and yeah. I just waited until you took yep. a sip so I could. <laughs> Welcome back from the mountains. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm out of the mountains and I'm sitting here in Guatemala City drinking an El Sapote American lager. All the way to Guatemala to drink an American that's, lager. That's right. It is a locally brewed beer. Ooh, nice. Uncharacteristically drinking a tea. Okay. But because of the time zone difference, it's like almost midnight here. So I think our listeners will forgive me for not drinking coffee. I hope they will. I hope they do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just say it before you do. We have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. (laughs) We should change the name of the podcast to a whole bunch of Go News. (laughs) Yeah. Um. There was a lot of discussion on our channel. Usually we don't start there, uh, but I just want to say thanks to everybody who's like sharing links and, and we'll get to some of those. Uh, so thanks a lot for, for sharing links and talking about all these things and giving uh, one another support for opening proposals. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if the Go team approves, but I definitely approve. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's get to some of those links. It's been fun watching the, the chat. Uh, so the first mm-hmm. thing, this was shared on the channel. Go 122 RC2 has been released. Thanks, Peter, for, for pointing it our way. It's not a whole lot to say there. Uh, the, the final release should be coming within two to three weeks, we expect. We don't know. Uh, we'll cover more details when that actually happens. Yeah, like every release candidate, uh, if you have like a CI pipeline that has the matrix of Go versions, just try and add that one and report some bugs. It's super helpful for the Go team. And with the topic of doing important things for the Go team in mind, and the new Go developer survey is out. Feels like the last one was just right now. I don't know if it's just because we were late to report on it on the show or because it was in our backlog on on the show notes for a while. Don't they do two a year? Which which means that you know they do it, then they gather the results and they publish them. So on average, we're reporting on this four times a year. So yeah, I think it feels like it was just last week that we were talking about it. And we had that break. Anyway, yeah. uh, the new Go developer survey is out. Uh, go share your feedback. They've done it since 2016, so almost 10 years now. And basically, the more developers participate, the better the, the team can understand the Go community. And I want to get up on a bit of a side tangent here. Walk with me on this journey. Uh, I'm, I'm doing engineering enablement right now. That's, that's my job, my job title. Okay. So basically, I, I'm a part of a big R&D group, uh, more than 100 people. And I need to develop stuff for them to make their engineering experience better, right? What I did, the first thing I did was carve out like these 100 people into segments. These are the backend developers. These are the backend developers in the new version. These are the frontend guys. These are the researchers, these are product, like try to, these are DevOps. And then basically what I did is take the biggest group and work for them because that's the biggest reach I can have. So if you can, you know, paint which customer segment you're in, 
it's sort of like voting in a sense because you can raise the impact or maybe the reach of specific features. So giving this information is not only useful for the Go team, it'll probably make the Go team direct the language development in a way that's useful for you. So there is a self-interested reason to fill in this survey. And we'll report back in like three months when they have the results, right? Right. Awesome. So the link is in the show notes. One quick update. Uh, if you recall, I think it was our last episode of last year. We interviewed author John Bodner, whose book Learning Go Second Edition was about to come out. It is out now, or at least the electronic version is. And the print version, I think, is being shipped within a couple of weeks. So if you are waiting to buy that, Check it out. It's available now. You're a print kind of guy, right? Not a, not the electronic books. I do a big mix. For some books, I like print. For a book like this, it's reference material. I definitely prefer print. I also use a Kindle, and I use a lot of audiobooks. Audiobooks for technical? It depends. For stuff with code stuff, no, I wouldn't do an audiobook. But for, like, I listened to Dave Farley's book, uh, Modern Software Engineering. That was a great one for audiobook. I think I had a couple code samples, but I didn't really feel like I missed it. It was more conceptual. So it depends nice. on, the, on the subject matter. I was a hundred percent a Kindle guy. Uh, my wife got me a, it as a, as the first present when, like, at my first birthday when we started going out when I was like nineteen. And I was like, "Oh my God, Kindle's the best!" And whatever you can't picture it, but uh, in uh, Israeli IDF uniform, the not like a dress uniform, the normal work uniform, the size of the pocket is exactly a perfect fit for a Kindle, <laughs> like the old uh, Kindles. So you, I would go walk around with it in my pocket feeling all great and whatever, because in the army, you waste a ton of time. So, you know, like just waiting for, for stuff all the time. So I, I popped it out and read all the time. And I've just switched back. I, I almost can't use a Kindle now. And I got the new one the, with, the, with the backlight. I don't know, man, something about like the paper. Yeah. It just it's so it's it's fun. So so I'm all yeah. paper. I'll wait I'll, I'll wait for uh, the paper v- version of a uh, Learning Go second edition. It, just, sure. it should come out in a few weeks. I w- I will too because I want to have it on my bookshelf. Ooh, that's also a good reason. I think books on the bookshelf make me feel good even if I don't read them, which is almost the opposite of any other object that I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> At least they make me feel smart. This is another site tangent. Do you know that if you have uh, books in your background, um, and you interview and the company that's screening your interview is using AI to like rank the interview. They rate you higher because the machine learning algorithm is like people who have books on, in the backgrounds are smarter. Interesting. <laughs> so that here's another tip if you need to choose a virtual background for the, your next uh, video interview. All right. So that's a more, I think there's one more uh, official-ish thing we want to talk about, but it's getting less and less official, right? Uh, yeah. with a new talk about Go changes. Yeah, so uh, Russ Cox did a presentation uh, at GopherCon in San Diego earlier last year. Who's Russ Cox? Yeah, he's Russ Cox. We need to get him on, on the show one of these days. Uh, he's one of the core Go team contributors, works at Google. And his talk was about changes in Go. The title, I don't know, I felt was didn't encapsulate the subject matter very closely. Um, I thought it was going to be about the proposal process, but really it was more about how the Go team makes decisions on certain changes and should they include them or not. And he talked about three principal sources of data that help influence this decision. One is sort of surveying random open source Go code. And he gave a few examples about a, a recent vet rule to to warn if you try to append with nothing. And they were like, oh, it's not a big deal. And they looked at some random code in the wild and found that it actually represented very likely bugs, if not just confusion about what the pen does. So they decided to go ahead and add the check by 
surveying some random code out there. That's cool. That's like field research. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Another uh, source of relevant information is the Go developer survey, which we just talked about. So definitely fill that out. And then a third uh, relevant uh, source of data they use or will be using is the opt-in telemetry that they're they're getting ready to add. Is already in Go Please or Go PLS. By the way, that's one thing I learned from the talk. Maybe the most important thing I learned from the talk is the correct pronunciation of Go PLS is apparently Go Please. No way. I had to go look it up. Like, is that a tool I didn't know about? What is that? And I looked, oh, it's GoPLS. Okay, I know what that is. I just didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> so that was the the, the topic. Uh, you know, the, the basically these three sources of data, and he goes into some detail about statistics and you know how much data they need from each source to to be reliable and stuff like that. It was it was a good talk. Nice. I'll ask uh, one question that's probably on people's mind. How long is the talk? It's just under 25 minutes, so it's a pretty short listen. If you put it on double speed, you could get through it faster than you could get through this podcast. <laughs> and in, with that in mind, let's uh, run to the next topics because lately we've been going way over time. So we want to talk about some packages we found online. I want to mention two small ones, uh, just two small tools, not big frameworks or whatever, just two small tools. The first one is called Go Import Cycle. I think I saw it first on Reddit, but it was also like, I think someone sent it to me. It's, as the name, you know, suggests, it's a tool that helps you find and also visualize import cycles in Go, where it it draws you like a diagram with red lines meaning bad. And, uh, you know, it helps you understand. I think it's probably useful for people who have really, really large uh, code bases. You know, you could output which packages and where do you have a cyclic import, which I think you'd want to resolve, right? Was that something you ever dealt with in a in a real project, by the way? Like an oh, import yeah. cycle I, that you had to resolve? Definitely. It's not an uncommon occurrence, especially when I'm refactoring huge legacy code bases that don't have any rhyme or reason to their imports. And you try to move things around and discover that there's import cycles and resolving those can be a pain. So there's a some sort of a playbook to that, right? When you think Probably. about it. It's not like every import cycle, you have to rethink the whole thing. Yeah, kind of. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes not. I think one thing that I, I, I usually do is try to visualize in my head, okay, so this import that and this imports that symbol. What do I need to take out? This package might make it easier uh, to do. So go import cycle. Uh, the link is in the show notes if you want to try it. Another small tool I found, um, it's called the Type X. It's a really tiny Go library by someone called Daniel Gorski. He definitely shared it on uh, Reddit because I actually posted on Reddit and asked, what's the case? What's the use case? What do you need it for? So what Type X does is examines Go types and their dependencies and exports TypeScript value objects, like t- basically a type declarations as the result. I looked at it and actually used it, and it's it makes understanding uh, Go types really easy. If you have it a type that you're maybe from a third-party library that you're not 100% sure what it does or what does it have or whatever, you know, when I'm in my IDE, I usually ask Go please, I guess. <laughs> when I press like dot, it gives me the autocomplete, right? When I start mm-hmm. using a new library, I tend to, I don't know if you do that as well, but like just press dot on a bunch of the major objects in the library and scroll up and down. I think it's a better way for me to like scroll to the documentation than actually open GoDoc and, and see what's going on there. Because yeah, sure. it's more contextual, you know You know what I mean? Like I need a subject, let me read all the methods it exports in case I'm about to implement something it already has or something like that. So this sort of prints that out for you 
And if you want to render it as TypeScript, it offers that as well. So I asked, like, what's the point? Well, why did the person develop it? And Daniel basically said he uses it exactly like I just said for looking at exported types of a library for his own projects to show internal structure, you know, so users can get oriented faster, which is really cool. Uh, and finally, it is good enough for interop. So, you know, he uses TypeScript type from GoType and then sort of uh, does interoperation between these two languages. I don't know if I would want to do that exactly, but yeah. uh, you can. And there's a really nice uh, like table here that maps uh, Go native types to TypeScript types, which I found pretty useful. You have like a string is string, map is record, and name struct is T, anonymous struct is a, is a dict, like a sort of map between Go and, and JavaScript in a sense, right? Just mm-hmm. TypeScript. So a really cool tool. Can I admit something? Mm-hmm. I've never used TypeScript. Have you used JavaScript? Oh, yeah. So you've used uh, TypeScript, just uh, without the guardrails. Without the types. <laughs> without his namesake feature. Yeah. I don't enjoy uh, web front-end development a lot. Me either. But when I do need to do it, especially with all the big frameworks and whatever, TypeScript is a huge improvement of uh, like quality of life. But th- the way I like to use uh, JavaScript or TypeScript the most is just raw JavaScript with you know the console window open in, in mm-hmm. Chrome, just hacking away, taking a screenshot, copying that code, and handing that to someone who actually knows front end. <laughs> right. That's why I hire a, a web developer to help me on my personal website. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought you made it look so good and spiffy. No, I, I could show you what it would look like if I did it. It would not be spiffy. <laughs> No, I got a terminal. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. So two tools, Go Import Cycle and Type X. Super niche, but if you need them, now you know about them. Let's talk about one more, uh, or I want to talk about one more. Uh, I found this on Reddit, but it, it's not really a Reddit thread. Although the Reddit thread was surprisingly cordial. Like there were people pointing out some some opinions or flaws with the library without being hostile i, I was amazed i uh, i don't know what's going on <laughs> i'll call satan to see if hell froze over if he needs a blanket <laughs> but the library is called grape i don't think it's what i'll be using but i uh I, I like the concept it's it's a http library that requires go 122 or newer because it uses the new router uh capabilities added to go 122 it uses slog so it's it's kind of a modern i don't want to call it a framework i don't think it's that heavy but it's designed to help you build web apps using the new modern features of Go. It claims to be a zero-dependency modern HTTP library for Go. So if you're looking for, if you're starting a new project and you don't want something as hefty as Echo or Jin or something like that, especially now that the new router in 122 lets you support you know, HTTP verbs and stuff, this might be something to look at. Um, it's still a really new project, obviously. Version 0.2.0 was released a couple of days ago. So I'm sure it will be getting a lot of changes, um, but it's kind of a cool idea to to build some new libraries based on the new features found in the new versions of Go. So I'm I'm excited to see that for that reason. Yeah, I, when looking at the bottom of the README, you have uh, you know why did this person develop it? He's like basically the standard library is super great, no reason to look at frameworks like you've said. And this is pretty recent, right? Structured logging is 121, the new HTTP router is 122. So this is not like a, a this wouldn't have been a, a valid option like two years ago. Right. Um, the note is, and this is ambitious, is that Grape is still under development, like you've said, like it's early, 0.2. But 
my goal is to have a stable version before release of Go 122. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, good luck. Good luck to Hossein. In our attempt to stay under uh, 15 minutes, which hasn't succeeded even this time, uh, we're going to cut it off here. But we have more cool stuff to discuss, which we'll discuss in the episode next week. Stuff like Elasticsearch, which I really hope we'll get to. Uh, and some interesting proposals that uh, we hope will be slightly riper for our discussion next week. Ripe. Yeah. Ripe as grape. <laughs> which should be done by next week, apparently. Yeah, that should be ripe by then. <laughs> All right. So talk to y'all. This program is brought to you by listeners like you. We now have the option to become a member on Patreon. If you're not already a member, there's a link in the show notes or on our website right at the top. You can head over to Patreon. Our goal is to hit about 25, 26 members to just cover our expenses. We're not trying to get rich off this. Um, and we have a few new uh, members we'll mention in just a moment. Regardless of that, you can also join us on the Cup of Go uh, Slack channel, which is on the Gopher Slack. It's basically a, a pre-roll of the show notes, you know what I mean? <laughs> basically. Cup <laughs> uh, Kebab Case, join us there. You can also find us on the web at cupago.dev. You can email us at news at cupago.dev. You can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, Podcast Addict, and I don't know, there's so many podcast listeners. Uh, find us all those places on YouTube even. Leave a, a rating if you like the show. Uh, if you don't like the show, I guess you can also, but uh, we prefer the, the positive reviews and ratings. Share it with a friend. All those good things that you're tired of hearing us say, but we're going to keep saying them because the statistics say that they get results. Yeah. Can't argue with numbers. Did I miss anything, Shai? We can get game if we get uh, three extra Patreons because <laughs> that's the most expensive other domain if you want it. We had an interesting discussion with someone uh, who found our uh, .com domain and uh, sort of squatted on it until we get it. So <laughs> I was looking at the... Yeah, like not in a bad way. He actually reached out and I was like, oh, do you want that domain or whatever? Um, yeah, so we'll have to call him an honorary uh, member and, and call him for out. For sure. Was done. Yeah. We can take a few a few fun ones like Kapago.pro, uh, which is uh, yeah. just for the professional advice where we will only tell about serious, serious packages. Kapago.club, mm-hmm. uh, where you get to take a club oh. and uh, beat uh, the the crap out of people who send code reviews without code? running the linter first. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, you didn't forget anything, man. Uh, thank you all a lot for listening. We don't have an interview for you this week, uh, but next week, uh, Jonathan should uh, come back to my time zone and uh, to his uh, temporary home country of uh, the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we'll do a rapid fire uh, attempt to you know set up interviews with a whole bunch of people so uh, if you want to be one of them go talk to us on slack i think that's it i think we should call out our new patreon members that's right man thanks a lot to the new members uh first of all andy uh andy andrew williams of uh, fine fame dear friend of the show for a while now go check out hashtag fine on the go for slack if you want to learn what that dude's all about uh, and why there's a small part of the Go survey who's like, I'm doing desktop development and not the HTTP backend servers for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. uh, and also Mateusz Kuwalke, I assume this is a Polish name, so sorry for butchering it. And Robert Burke. Thanks a lot, people. We really appreciate your membership. Thanks a lot. We're up to what, nine members now? Uh, ten and nine paid ten. ones. Okay. 
Actually, I should say we appreciate your patronage, but that sort of sounds like this is a bar. <laughs> and I don't know if we have an alcohol license yet. We also we also appreciate you patronizing us if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We definitely need to have like a thousand dollar tier if someone wants to just come on the show and patronize us for 15 minutes. I would gladly get a hundred thousand uh, bucks a month. For someone to come on the show and be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Why don't you go read the spec? <laughs> Maybe you can just get the subreddit to do it. That's basically what they do anyway. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the new members, for your patronage. We appreciate you a lot. And thank you all for listening. Talk to you next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.